Good morning, I'm Francis Keeney and this is The Trough for Tuesday the 7th of March, your daily bite-sized wrap of all the political news you need to know this morning. There's growing warnings, a loss in Western Australia for Colin Barnett, which is looking increasingly likely, according to a number of commentators, is going to put more pressure on Malcolm Turnbull. The Prime Minister yesterday confirmed he isn't heading to Perth any time before Saturday's poll. An undisclosed internal polling in Fairfax, so take this with a grain of salt, have Labor ahead of the Liberals 57 to 43% after preferences in WA, with the coalition to lose 20 seats in Saturday's poll. Peter Van Onselen, meanwhile, has warned the next generation of Liberal MPs might be at risk if the swings in the latest news poll nationwide remain consistent until the next federal election. He says Labor has its sights on Christian Porter and Peter Dutton, with Christopher Pine also considered at risk. A poll by Essential in The Guardian this morning suggests voters aren't sold on the leadership credentials of either Bill Shorten or Malcolm Turnbull. Out of a field of six, both are at around 20%, followed by Julie Bishop on 17 Tony Abbott on 10% as preferred leader. Peter Dutton, who is at the centre of recent speculation, is at 2%. 56% of voters, meanwhile, disapprove of the cut to penalty rates. 51% want the federal government to intervene, although the majority of coalition voters support the Fair Work Commission's decision. Pauline Hanson, who seems to have successfully embedded herself in the news cycle just days before the WA election, stormed out of a press conference on Monday when asked repeatedly about her controversial comments on Russia and vaccinations. The Prime Minister repeated his criticism of her comments on insiders on Sunday, saying parents who choose not to vaccinate their children put their health at risk, as well as the health of other kids. Bill Shorten helpfully suggested that she get a briefing from the federal government's chief medical officer. And John Kadelka from The Australian this morning also has a helpful suggestion to the AMA about how to convince Pauline Hanson to change her mind. That's worth checking out. And there's a good package on AM from Eliza Borello reporting from the WA Wheat Belt talking about One Nation's chances with voters expressing concern about the preference deal with the Liberals. The Sydney Morning Herald today reports the push is back on to merge a number of security and intelligence agencies. This idea of an Australian-style Department of Homeland Security has been raised before. The latest was under Tony Abbott, but there was a large number of senior officials and ministers opposed to the idea, and this has always been put in the too-hard basket. But there's now another plan reportedly being considered, according to Peter Harcher. It's focused around the Department of Immigration and Border Protection, covered by Peter Dutton. One key sticking point would be the Attorney General George Brandis. He isn't a fan of this move, although he might not be in the job for much longer, with an expected cabinet reshuffle in the middle of the year. In the meantime, the Iraqi ambassador to Australia has told the Australian that there are so-called sleeping colonies of potential terrorists in Australia. He says radical preachers have been offering financial incentives to lure young people in. The Federal Treasurer Scott Morrison has praised the Victorian government's efforts to tackle housing affordability. The Premier, Daniel Andrews, has proposed dumping stamp duty for first-home buyers if their property is worth under $600,000. Scott Morrison has applauded Victoria, saying they're taking a good crack at the issue. 
What's also interesting is the Treasurer's thoughts on another proposal from Victoria, where the government would essentially own 25% of the mortgage, while the owner kept 75%. This is called a shared equity arrangement. The banks already offer this using another person's home to help reduce the, the cost or the size of the, another person's mortgage. Now, this could save people hundreds of thousands of dollars on their home loan, and Victoria is planning a pilot program around this idea. Scott Morrison told 2GB he thought this idea was, quote, really interesting. Now, he maintains supply issues remain core to the problem of housing affordability, but the fact he's been quite positive of these proposals from Victoria is an interesting sign heading into the May budget. And his promise to deliver a housing affordability plan, the Sydney Morning Herald says Malcolm Turnbull praised this concept of shared equity mortgages in a report handed down to John Howard back in 2003. The Australian says a compromise deal has been put before the Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull on racial discrimination laws. You may remember last week a bipartisan committee controlled by the coalition failed to come up with an agreement on what changes, if any, should be made to 18C or 18D of the Act. This plan would reportedly insert the reasonable person test into the law to prove any actions breach the standards of ordinary Australians and not just a specific group. It's an idea from Senator Conchetta Firavanti-Wells, who's written in the paper today. She's a member of the Conservative faction of the Liberals. The Employment Minister, Michaelia Cash, has apologised after failing to disclose a $1.4 million investment property in time. Under the rules, federal MPs have 35 days to declare purchases like this, and that includes the mortgages that come with it. Records show that she agreed to purchase the home in Perth in November and settled in December. The purchase wasn't disclosed until January and the mortgage a month later. The Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, says he has accepted the Employment Minister's apology. As the ABC reminds us, she's not the first and won't be the last MP to forget something like this. Labor frontbencher David Feeney failed to disclose a $2.3 million house on his register of interests. Malcolm Turnbull is in Jakarta this morning for the Indian Ocean Rim Association. He'll only be in Indonesia for about 24 hours or so. Terrorism and trade topped the agenda when he meets Joko Widodo later today. They met about two weeks ago. Both countries say they hope to sign a free trade agreement of sorts by the end of the year. In the meantime, the Foreign Minister Julie Bishop has downplayed the prospect of joint patrols with Indonesia in the South China Sea. Uh, The Indonesian president seemed to indicate that could be something he would consider, but she says the president has never even mentioned joint exercises and insists that he was referring to closer cooperation. The two countries already coordinate joint patrols in the south of the country in a bit to tackle people smuggling. The Commonwealth Bank chief in Nerev and ANZ boss Shane Elliott will be fronting up to a House committee hearing into the big four banks. Incidentally, the Reserve Bank's monthly announcement on interest, on interest rates will be had down this afternoon, and those watching Sky Business will get to see Carson Scott in full flight, which is always entertaining. Economists are widely expecting the cash rate to remain on hold at 1.5%, despite a rebound in economic growth recently. We've also seen a study from consumer group Choice focusing on the interest rates charged by the major banks for credit cards. It says failure to pass on interest rate cuts in recent years has cost Australians $3.5 billion or around $220 per customer. The report says there was a correlation between interest rates and interest rates cuts from the Reserve Bank until 2011. And it follows moves by the ANZ, who will be up today, incidentally, to reduce interest rates on some of its credit card products. 
And briefly, in political news this morning, the National Farmers Federation has put its support behind an emissions scheme of sorts to reduce carbon emissions. It's making a submission to the Finkel Review, and it's urged the government to consider a market-based approach to tackling the issue. This is a change of stance from the new head of the NFF, Yona Simpson, who has spoken to The Australian and the ABC this morning. City deals are in the Turnbull government's sights again. There's one flag for Western Sydney to help plan for infrastructure and jobs in the region. We've already got plans in place for Townsville and in Launceston. In the meantime, the Courier-Mail is reporting on a big budget proposal to spend up big on infrastructure in the May budget. This plan, it's yet to be approved by Cabinet, would bankroll regional projects across the country and it could focus on rail or coal-fired power stations or hydro storage projects. We've got no details yet on this package. Mark Kenny from Fairfax has tried to have a guide business groups and their approach to Sunday penalty rates by trying to call them on a Sunday and getting no response. It's worth noting these organisations do have on-call media advisors, but this is an easy point to score. Cabinet Minister Matt Canavan has offered one solution to the looming crisis surrounding rising gas prices. He suggested replacing gas-fired power stations with coal and renewables and has put a request into Treasury to see how much it costs, according to The Australian. Gas stations in the meantime have lower emissions than coal and they're used in South Australia to supplement solar and wind power. In the meantime, the head of Transgrid has endorsed the idea of additional interconnectors with South Australia. It's told the AFR state and federal governments could reduce red tape by making it easier to construct these things. Following concerns about energy security, the newspaper notes, incidentally, Transgrid is also one of the front runners to build a said interconnector to South Australia if it is given the green light. Today, we've got a couple of Senate committee hearings into the use of credit cards by Defence Force Management, as well as focusing on sports gambling, the aged care workforce and the resilience of energy infrastructure. As mentioned, the Prime Minister is in Jakarta, as well as Steve Chobo and Julie Bishop. Tony Abbott, his predecessor, is in Poland. Funnily enough, there's no plans yet from Bill Shorten. And Chris Bowen, the Shadow Treasurer, is addressing the Lowy Institute. He's talking about China's alternative to the TPP. I'm Francis Keeney. Thanks a lot for your company this morning. If you like what you hear with this podcast, feel free to leave a review on iTunes or click subscribe if you want. If you want more details about how to connect and how to get this on your phone, visit thetrough.com.au. I'm also on Twitter and on Facebook. Talk to you tomorrow.